I think people are struggling with their health and they're doing all of the right things and yet they're not where they thought they were going to be and so they are taking matters into their own hands. That was Jasmina Aganovic. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. How are you doing? How are you feeling? How are your 2019 intentions holding up? DM me, email me, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email, Marnie on the Move one the number one, at gmail.com. DM us on Instagram at Marnie on the Move or message us on Facebook at Marnie on the Move. Head over to our website, sign up for our newsletter and learn about exciting offers, deals and giveaways. And speaking of deals, our friends at Armrita want to offer Marnie on the Move listeners $10 off on your first purchase. Use the code JUMPSTART upon checkout on RitaHealthFoods.com. Also, tune in and download the episode with founder Arshad Bal and learn why you need these delicious snacks in your cabinet. On today's episode, I sync up with beauty industry pioneer and entrepreneur Jasmina Aganovic, president of Mother Dirt, to talk about why dirty is the new clean, how we all need to restore our skin microbiome, the game-changing personal care products that are helping restore the good bacteria, and recalibrate our skin's ecosystem, and how Jasmina's personal skincare struggles inspired her to pursue a career in skincare, cosmetics, and beauty. As a child and throughout her young adult life, Jasmina struggled with acne. It was this struggle that led her to seek solutions through research and studies to solve her own personal skin issues. Her drive and passion around this topic inspired her to pursue a career in the beauty industry upon her graduating and receiving her degree in chemical and biological engineering from MIT. She has worked for top brands LVMH, Fresh Beauty, NutriClick, and Living Proof, and today is innovating and inventing at Mother Dirt. You may already know that our bodies are host to trillions of microorganisms, and the skin is comprised of an elaborate and complex ecosystem, just like our gut relies on good bacteria and probiotics. Our skin relies on good bacteria to help us be healthy as well. This elaborate ecosystem is called the skin biome. Over the years, thanks to widespread use of soaps, deodorants, and other personal care products, our good bacteria have been wiped out. Mother Dirt's signature product, AO Plus Mist, contains live ammonia-oxidizing bacteria, also known as AOB, that is bringing this bacteria back to your skin, restoring your skin to its native healthy state. AOB is a microorganism that is found everywhere, in lakes, rivers, soil, and formerly our skin. Mother Dirt's scientific founder, David Whitlock, was the one who connected this bacterium to the human skin. He was the one who said, hey, this bacteria once existed on our skin, and I think it's really important that we should figure out why. This was really the principle around which Mother Dirt was formed. I hope you enjoy today's Marnie on the Move episode with Mother Dirt president Jasmina Aganovic. If you like what you hear, leave us a review. Head over to Apple Podcasts, scroll down to the bottom of the podcast menu, and click five stars, then review. Also, Mother Dirt is offering Marnie on the Move listeners 20% off in free shipping if you're a new customer. 
head over to their website, motherdirt.com, and use the code FREESHIP20. Enjoy the episode. Talk to me a little bit about Mother Dirt and what Mother Dirt is. Sure. So Mother Dirt is a brand that is really forcing us to think differently about what it means to be clean and healthy. In essence, we have products that are formulated to either put back good bacteria on your skin or help keep it there in some way while still letting you feel clean and still going through the basics of your daily routine. But really, our goal is to use this brand as a vehicle to have a conversation with people around their perception of bacteria, because we largely believe that it's bad. But now research is showing that actually it's really important for us to consider it in a different way. Talk to me a little bit about your product line. Mother Dirt is a line of personal care products that are meant to restore and maintain the good bacteria on your skin, which is also known as the skin microbiome. So talk to me a little bit about the microbiome. So the microbiome, as it's largely defined, uh, is pretty broad. It is the ecosystem of microorganisms that exist in, on, and around us. One of the microbiomes that people might be most familiar with is the microbiome found in our gut. So you might have heard the words gut microbiome being used more regularly. For example, yogurt, supplements that are taken as uh, probiotics, sauerkraut, other forms of fermented foods have become increasingly popular. Kombucha is another great example because there's an increased awareness around this concept of needing good bacteria for our gut to help us with digestion and potentially other things. But the microbiome doesn't stop there. Actually, we are constantly interacting with uh, microorganisms and fungi and viruses all day long, both internally and through our skin. And in fact, all of our environments have microbiomes of their own. And the reason for that is because there are microorganisms literally everywhere that we go, as strange as that is to describe. And so the area that we focus our research on uh, really just has to do with that ecosystem of microorganisms that exist just on the skin. So are you saying that it's cool to be dirty, that it's healthy to be dirty? Is that what I'm hearing here? In many ways, yes. The way that we look at a question like that is as recalibrating versus completely reversing what clean means. So we've come to believe that clean means killing 99.9% of bacteria. And the whole reason we try and clean in that fashion is so that we can be healthy, right? We don't want to get sick. However, what we're learning is that when you clean in that fashion, we're not ending up at that place of health that we thought. So with the skin, which is the area that we look at, by all means, we have more products than ever. We are cleaner than ever. And yet it is very interesting that we have more issues with our skin than ever. And so this idea of, okay, maybe we've missed a piece in what clean really means. So how do we recalibrate it? We're not saying we now have to go live in a forest. We're not saying we now have to stop washing our hands. That's not it at all. But we do need to change our perception around what it means to be clean and healthy, what it means to have clean skin and things along those lines. So you don't want to kill all the bacteria on your skin. Actually, some of it is helpful in maintaining a healthy microbiome on your skin. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in fact, the reason you don't want to constantly just sterilize and kill all the bacteria that is either on your skin or in your gut is because these are viewed as big destabilization events in those ecosystems. And when an ecosystem is destabilized, what it does is it creates an opportunity 
for problems to happen. So think of the ecosystem as constantly looking and listening for uh, threats. Well, when you remove those sensors, if you will, it makes it much easier for uh, problems to occur. One of the products that I think is really great that's part of the Mother Dirt collection is your AO Plus Mist, which is great for all types of skin. So how does it work with, say you have dry skin or you have acne, is the AO Mist good for all different kinds of skin conditions? So you're asking a great question about our AO Plus Mist. The AO Plus Mist is definitely the cornerstone of our line. It is the only product that contains a live culture of this proprietary bacteria that we work with. And we call it the peacekeeper bacteria. The strain is Nitrosomonas eutropha. It's actually a soil-based bacteria that once used to exist on our skin that has been removed. And the reason it's been removed is because this bacteria is extremely sensitive to preservatives and surfactants, which are found in so many of the products that we interact with on a regular basis. So the reason this bacteria is called the peacekeeper bacteria is because they only need to be present in small amounts to have a very broad impact on the whole ecosystem of the skin. And there's a few different ways that it does this. So first, this is creepy but cool, the bacteria feeds off of the ammonia in your sweat. And the reason this is important is because it keeps the pH of the skin within a normal range. This in and of itself is a really positive aspect of the product because when the pH of the skin starts to go out of bounds of what a normal, a normal range is, it leaves the skin more susceptible to having issues. So just the fact that this bacteria is there keeping the pH at normal levels is a really strong positive. And then on the other side, what the bacteria is converting that ammonia into are these really beneficial byproducts that the skin uses to stay nurtured and calmed and soothed. And together, these things are keeping balance within your skin. So what we see happening as it relates to the different skin types is that whether you have dry skin or oily skin or sensitive skin, it is helping normalize all of those states Again, going back to the peacekeeping aspect of the product, it is helping the skin take better care of itself and helping the skin balance out on its own. Everybody can use it differently, but it's something that you can spray on your face. You can use it as a deodorant. I mean, there's so many purposes for it. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We joke that uh, the product is kind of like that movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, yes. where the dad is obsessed with Windex because Windex, yeah. like, yes. I don't know, cures everything. <laughs> Sometimes we catch ourselves saying something like, oh, well, you should just spray some mist on it. Because that definitely is our perception that it is like a great thing to use wherever, whenever, and in that type of sense. But then we laugh at ourselves and we're like, oh my God, we're like the dad in My Big Fat Greek Wedding with his Windex. This is obviously not Windex. But definitely when you talk about the skin kind of being out of balance, this is great to help bring it back in. I'm so glad you pointed out the product can be used on the face or the body. Anywhere really that you sweat, this product is really great to use. And you brought up the, the underarm area. So yes. about 60% of our users are able to cut down or cut out a deodorant because going back to that idea of balance, the bacteria and the mist are balancing out the ecosystem in the armpit, which makes them need less deodorant. So odor is in many cases viewed as an imbalance in that ecosystem, depending on what its cause is. Uh, so it's a very interesting way to look at how we take care of our skin. Yeah. And this was your first product, right? This was yes. your first product that you launched as part of Mother Dirt. What are some of the other products that you have? 
We launched Mother Dirt primarily oriented around the mist. The mist is very much so the hero product. We didn't really have an intention of launching additional products. However, as people started to, it was an early beta that we did. And as people in that program started to see what the mist was doing for their skin, they started to view their skin in a very different way. And so they started all of a sudden asking us, okay, well, if soap is going to be harmful to this mist, and I see that the bacteria and the mist are doing wonders for me, then what soaps can I use? Because I don't want to give soap up, which why would they? So we thought that we could originally recommend some brands, but we realized that modern cosmetic chemistry as it stands, along with the need for preservatives for all products that sit on shelves, would make it difficult for us to really say, okay, that product is going to be okay for your skin microbiome. So it was very complex to just recommend a product. And we knew we couldn't really do that in true technical fashion. And so we thought, okay, well, maybe can we formulate our own? And this is where our supporting products came from. So right now we have a cleanser, a shampoo, and a moisturizer. And each of those products, raw materials, and final formulas have been screened and tested using a series of assays and manufacturing processes and packaging requirements that kind of label it as biome friendly so that it's not going to be toxic to the bacteria in the mist. Yes, I love the moisturizer. It's oil-based and I have such dry skin, but it works on all kinds of skin. Yeah, it's a really great product. That product is squalane-based, so a very like fine oil, if you will, but it's also mixed with capric and caprylic triglycerides. So it incorporates some element of coconut oil, which is what makes it really nurturing, but not too heavy and very close to what your moisture barrier would be doing anyway. So it is a really effective product and people really love it and enjoy it. And I'm glad to hear that you're one of them. The moisturizer is great. The shampoo and the cleanser are also super awesome. I use the shampoo at the gym and because I swim a lot, I feel like my hair is really dry. And when I use the shampoo, my hair just feels really clean. And the same thing mm. with the cleanser on my face. There's no other product that I use that really feels that way. And I'm not sure what it is but I've been using it, you know, ever since. So glad to hear that. Yeah, with the shampoo and the cleanser, the important thing to note on those is the surfactants. So common surfactants are typically what are most disruptive to the skin biome. And so the way that we screened the particular surfactants that we used in the concentrations that we used them in was very deliberate and complicated for us because we needed to make sure that they were not going to be toxic to the bacteria that we were working with and that they weren't going to affect that amazing metabolism that the bacteria have that make it do all that great stuff that I was talking about earlier. So the surfactant component of those products was the most challenging, especially because we still want a product that does what it's supposed to, that feels and looks like it's supposed to, that still works, obviously, but is not going to have that effect on the skin microbiome like other conventional products would. And I'll say that the cleanser is actually the number two seller of the whole line. So it's very popular alongside the mist. That's really interesting. And you can use it as a full body cleanser. It doesn't have to just be for your yes. face. And then the products are also for men and women. Yes. About 40% of our consumers are men. The line is very unisex in that sense. This is such an interesting concept. How did you discover Mother Dirt and what was your path into the beauty industry? Uh, sure. 
Well, I think like most people's paths, it's never as straightforward as we think it's going to be, despite best intentions. I guess my story tied to my interest in personal care and skincare starts back when I was a teenager. I struggled with acne. It's funny, I don't even remember washing my face as a kid until my friends started washing their faces. And then it was like a cool thing to do to wash your face. And ironically, I don't think that it's the products necessarily that cause it. But knowing what I do now, I really am suspicious about it. Less than a year after I started washing my face is when my skin started to have all of these issues. And that was basically the beginning of, I would say, at least a 10-year struggle with my skin. And I tried anything and everything, antibiotics, geez, even like cortisone shots into my face. That was really disturbing. But despite how terrible an experience that was, it did trigger a proactive side to my personality, which was, I can figure this out. I can try and understand where this is coming from. And then I got very interested in the ingredients that I was using and the products I was using and how things were being sourced and so on and so forth. How old were you when you started thinking about that? Do you remember? I remember distinctly in ninth grade Okay, already heading down this path pretty heavily. I don't think that that story per se is extremely unique. I think that a lot of people have the mentality of taking things into their own hands. What ended up happening with me is as I went to college, I mean, even throughout high school, I was always interested in chemistry and I also had an interest in biology. And as I went to college, I wanted to kind of meld those fields together. I went to MIT. I studied chemical and biological engineering. And despite that, I still never thought about making my career in the industry of skincare or personal care or any of that. And it actually wasn't until an internship that I had my junior year where I was vetting a project for a cosmetic company that I realized that my background was perfectly aligned with this field that I naturally found really interesting. And that was my aha moment. And from there, I started to pursue companies that I thought were doing really cool things in the space. So I worked for a company called Fresh. People might know them for a famous soy line, and they also have a sugar line. And then I also worked for a company called Living Proof, which actually semi came out of the same lab that I had worked in at MIT, one of the professors that I had worked with. But essentially what I realized throughout that time was that I really enjoy taking highly technical messages and figuring out how to communicate them to consumers so that these really impactful ideas can hopefully reach more people. And so having built my reputation, I guess, on that, I was connected with the early team at AOBiome. And they were interested in potentially seeing if this bacteria could be turned into something more than just research. And that was when I joined and basically started to build what ended up becoming Mother Dirt. And when did Mother Dirt launch? Mother Dirt launched in July of 2015. I spent about a year helping put together the team, scale up the manufacturing, build the brand. And then we launched about a year after. Do you have any new products in the works for 2019? Oh, sure. So it's been a big year for us. So we have grown to the point that we spun out of AOBiome, so the company that I initially built Mother Dirt within. So now we are separate. And also we are in the process of building out our own lab that is right next to our office to really accelerate our product development cycle and our biome-friendly formulation platform. 
So the lab move is happening next Wednesday. So it's super close. I was actually just in there right before I hopped on this podcast. So that's been big. The last year has been a big one in terms of just investing in infrastructure, which is really not sexy at all, but super important to us with how we've been growing. But we're really excited about the lab. We do have two products that are launching in the spring. So you'll be hearing more about those soon. But I think those have been pretty big for us. So we've been kept very busy. Yeah, it seems like you've been super busy. I want to rewind here for a minute. One of Mother Dirt's key products, the AO Plus Mist, has a shelf life once it's opened. And it needs to be stored in cold temperatures in general. So how does this work for your expansion as a brand to grow and distribute product with retailers nationwide? We have needed to invest a lot of time, resources, and energy overall into figuring out how we can grow a business when so much of its core tenants go against what exists in the industry right now. So what you're mentioning has to do with preservatives. Right. So a little bit of a kind of an interesting look back, probiotics, And this concept of bacteria and the microbiome first started to gain traction in the food category. And so you started seeing this word probiotics start hopping up a lot more, more references on labels. You started to see these probiotic fridges popping up in stores or getting bigger. And all of that is fine and good because food products, as they're transported, They're all cold chain products already. Their supply chain is fully established to be able to support a refrigerated product. And you don't, in most cases, you don't put preservatives in food products that are live or contain live cultures because that's the whole point. You want there to be live cultures. You don't want to put a preservative in there that would kill the bacteria. So like the cosmetics industry takes a lot of cues from the food industry. So there are a lot of things that trickle over. And so when probiotics started to become very popular in food, the cosmetics industry also started to kind of interpret this word. However, there was one big problem, which is that in the cosmetics industry, you don't have cold chain logistics. You don't store your product in a refrigerator. You don't display your product in a refrigerator either when it's in the store. And you don't ship your product directly to consumers in like a cold fashion. So instead, what the industry did is they started putting preservatives in products. And they have to put preservatives in products because you don't want bacteria to grow in it. And they reinterpreted what probiotic means. And so when we look at creating a personal care brand and one of our core tenants is that we want it to be live, and yet the infrastructure for the industry is not even established to be able to support that. It's really complicated. It's complicated from the consumer messaging standpoint. It's complicated from the supply chain standpoint. It's complicated from just a cost of goods standpoint. It's complicated from a merchandising standpoint, like if and when we were to talk to a large nationwide retailer. They'd have to have a refrigeration system in their store or something. I mean, they have to, retailers are going to have to have to rethink how they are selling and how they're presenting these brands. Right. So it's something that we have needed to be very creative in how we solve for it. And I think that thankfully people have interpreted that as a true differentiator for our product. And it's really allowed our technology to stand on its own. But it has taken a lot of effort and a lot of deliberate decision making. Yeah. I mean, I know that from just like observing brands in the industry and seeing how I mean, Mother Dirt has been around now for a while. So, I mean, obviously it's working for you, but it's a differentiator for a brand that wants to be organic or wants to have natural ingredients and doesn't want to use preservatives to be able to scale 
from, yeah. you know, yeah, it's great. You can be local and you can sell at your local Whole Foods, but then how do you sell at a thousand Whole Foods nationwide? I think that what really sets Mother Dirt apart from other brands is that you're able to do this and scale. So the mist needs to be stored in the fridge. And then if you start using it, it is fine at room temperature for four weeks. Okay. Uh, but if you want to extend it, you can keep on sticking it in the fridge. Good to know. How long does it usually take for the benefits of using these products to be visible for consumers? Yeah, so we've done a series of cosmetic clinical studies on the ability to improve how oily skin looks, how dry skin is, sensitive skin, uh, product usage, and, and all of that. And generally, those studies are structured over the course of four weeks. But I would say as we've surveyed users, most of them start to notice the difference within two weeks. Two weeks. However, the important thing that I'll also add is the human body is very complex. And so it all comes down to what the source of your issue is. And it's very rare that you can isolate some sort of a something to just one part of your lifestyle or one type of decision that you're making. So hopefully people are at least taking a step back and looking more holistically around the products that they're coming into contact with or other lifestyle aspects how much sleep they get, working out, eating, and things like that. Speaking of working out, have you been working out lately? <laughs> I was just telling the team that it's been about two months that my workout schedule has completely fallen off because I've had so much travel. I was telling you I was in China and then there were the holidays. So I was with my husband's family and then my family. So I'm just settling back into whatever my normal routine was. So I haven't. And it's really, it just hasn't felt good. I notice my sleep gets all wonky. I could sleep for eight hours and I'll still be really tired the next day. But when I'm working out regularly, I'll sleep for seven and I'll feel great the next day. Yeah. When I don't exercise, everything is off. Yeah. I just noticed that because I didn't work out today, but I will later. I didn't work out yesterday. Like I'm training for triathlons and I was supposed wow. to do... Yeah. I mean, I, but I've always been doing that. And I was supposed to do a workout yesterday. I was supposed to... I mean, it's just, it is what it is. Wow. I'm so busy and I'm the last person to make an excuse not to work out or not to go to the gym. And I have not been able to go. I actually like forgot to work out one day this week, like where I was like, oh my God, I was supposed to get on the bike. Like I have a bike in my apartment with a compu trainer. Yeah. And I'm sure you can relate to missing a training session or workout. When you were in high school, you were a very impressive tennis player. So I was on the tennis team in high school okay. uh, and I won states as the number five seed. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty impressive. How long did you play tennis for? I played tennis most of my life. I did make a pretty big gap when I was in elementary school and then I picked it back up in middle school. But yeah, it was a big part of my life. Lots of people in my family play tennis too. Were you still playing over the last few years? Yeah, actually, my husband is a tennis player as well. So he and I, during the winter, we try and hit at least once a week. Or do you ever do things like go to tennis camps or retreats or anything like that? <laughs> no, although my husband and I have joked that we should maybe try and go to a tennis camp just to see what it would be like, although it would be so nerdy of us to do that. But I think it would be fun actually to try. <laughs> no, I was going to say that my other podcast guest, Renee Fries, he went to a tennis camp. He loved it. But yeah, so what have you been doing then to work out? Yeah, so about once a week, my husband and I will play tennis. But in between that, I have two things that I like to do. So one is Pilates. So that's been a big part of my routine since I graduated high school. And the main reason for that is because I wanted to integrate something into my day-to-day -day that felt like it was going to be more sustainable even as I aged. So something that was more 
mind body oriented and was going to be good on my joints because tennis is definitely very rough on your joints. And then uh, separately from that, I like to squeeze in a couple classes that are more high intensity or circuit related training with weights built in. So I used to be terrified of weights, but over the last, I would say like five or six years, I've really come to appreciate how good some weight training can be. So I'll try and catch like either a berries or like an orange theory class that happens to be really close to my work. So that just ends up being the most convenient, but that's in my pillar to be able to squeeze workouts in through those two ways. And has it kind of fueled you for success in your business? You know, it's interesting. In high school, I used to do workouts for the physical reasons. Though you want to look good, you're a little bit more self-conscious as a teenager. But now I do it purely for the mental effects and the emotional effects and really for the ability to be my best self, as weird as that is to say. Just making sure I'm managing my stress, just making sure that I'm present, just making sure that I'm plugged in. Yeah, I, I find it to be really critical for all of those reasons and less so for muscle tone in my legs or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it's funny how that's changed. It shifts, I think, as you get older, right? Yeah. Tell me about this conference you went to when you were in China. Oh, sure. So I was at the Skin Microbiome Conference in Hong Kong. I spoke there and I talked about our biome-friendly product development platform. So I was sharing a little bit about our process there. But also there's a variety of other companies. So a couple other brands, some large companies. So think like L'Oreal and P&G, Shiseido, companies like that, as well as raw material providers. So people who create raw materials for some of these large cosmetic companies. And then there were a handful of academics and researchers as well. So people who are actively doing research at universities in the space. That's cool. Is there anything new coming down the pipeline that's really cutting edge in technology and skincare that you can talk about? So there was one thing that was put forth, not by someone that was at the conference directly, but they cited it. And I thought that it was very interesting. So they talked about a group in Japan that was creating customized skincare products based off of that person's own bacteria. So what this company would do is they would swab the person's face and they would isolate this strain of bacteria called S. epidermidis. People pronounce it all sorts of different ways. So I always feel a little bit strange saying it. But what they would do is they would take this bacteria, which is known to be largely as a very good positive bacteria for the skin. They would culture it. So basically grow a lot of it. And then they would separate it out and then they would formulate it into this lotion. And then they would give that lotion to that person to be able to use. And they did a clinical study on the benefits of this product. And the benefits showed statistically significant improvement in water retention and transepidermal water loss, moisture barrier function, and things along those lines. But it's very controversial. So the thing that comes across in these conferences is that there's a lot that we don't know. And so there's a lot of skepticism, I would say, even around brands like ours that are sort of moving forward in a field that has a lot yet to be learned and known and figured out. So there's a lot of activity. So it feels like kind of a whole new planet to explore. It's always very interesting to see and feel just how nascent the category and in the industry is, uh, particularly at a conference like this. That's so cool. I feel like there are so many amazing innovations in beauty and wellness every day. And I'm so deeply immersed in the industry that I forget that 
some of these concepts, whether it be about the microbiome or about using mushrooms for wellness or supplements, all of these things have been around for such a long time and in my world, but it's actually new to some people. I understand what you mean by that, uh, particularly because the wellness movement has been around for a long time, but seems to be moving faster and getting larger over the last five years. Do you feel like talking about the business of beauty and the business of skincare and what you're doing? I mean, do you feel like your consumer demographic has grown and shifted over the years? Yes, I do for sure. I think that the marketplace is very different than it was when we launched, for sure. And you feel like it's growing, the movement of wellness. Yeah, I think it has. There's like a very simple but unfortunate truth. I think people are like struggling with their health and they're doing all of the right things and yet they're not where they thought they were going to be. And so they are taking matters into their own hands. Not unlike what I did as a teenager, this is happening on a much more broad scale. And unfortunately, with even younger and younger folks, they're taking matters into their own hands and they are doing their own research for better or for worse. I mean, there's a lot of bad information out there on the internet, right? That is not properly validated. They're being very proactive and they're questioning what they've been told. And I think that this is what is also making large companies look at things very differently. Yeah. I definitely think that something is changing. It's very palpable. I just want to say thank you so much for being on the podcast. You're welcome. You're so welcome. Thanks for being interested in what we're doing. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, MarnieOnTheMove1 at gmail.com. And let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out.